We have a tradition here at South Park Church every Christmas to give Jesus a birthday present because it is, after all, Jesus' birthday. We wonder sometimes if it's Jesus' birthday, why do we get all the gifts? And there's nothing wrong with that. My family and I are going to exchange presents in the morning. And if my sons get their way tonight, maybe even one gift tonight. So uh, that is a tradition at our home as well. Uh, But it's all about Jesus. It's his birthday. And so every year we give Jesus a birthday gift. And the question is, well, what do you give God? He has everything already. He can do whatever he wants. And so what we do is we take up an offering uh, and we split it for two different ministries that we believe are doing God's work in the world. And that's our offering to say, Jesus, happy birthday. And so tonight you will have an opportunity to support two ministries that we believe are absolutely doing God's work. And so whatever you give, we will give 100% of that away. We'll divide it in half to give to these two charities. Uh, They are Bright Blessings, which is housed here in Matthews, North Carolina, and serves the Mecklenburg County and four counties around it, uh, helping children in need. And also our ministry in Bayonet, Haiti, the northern part of Haiti. There's a school that we support with 2,500 children. They also go to church, learn about Christ, and there's a medical clinic there in the midst of a country that's war-torn and ruled by gangs. And so I want to uh, show you a couple of brief videos so that these folks can tell you their story for themselves. Birthdays are super important. As a child, we didn't really celebrate my birthday growing up. And so when I got older and I realized it's genuinely a celebration of one's life, whether you're five or 95, it's really important to make the child feel loved on that day to remind them that we are happy that you're alive. We're happy that you're here. For many of us, providing gifts and a birthday party for your child might be second nature. It's just something you do every year. But the reality is a lot of the people we serve aren't able to do that. It may seem insignificant to some people, but everyone wants to feel celebrated and feel like they're somebody on at least one day out of the year. And so just being able to to say, I see you, I hear you, you're important, you can do amazing things, it just makes a difference, especially to the parents, to be able to say, I was able to give you something and to celebrate you today. Bright Blessings mission is to provide joy, care, and hope to homeless and impoverished children by mobilizing a community of volunteers of all ages. And what started as just a birthday program and celebrating the birthdays at one shelter has just grown to include now literacy, gift items and care items, and now baby items because of the needs of the community. So our Blessed Baby program is a big part of what we do. Many of the moms we serve are already overwhelmed and worried about bonding with their baby because they're not sure how they're going to care for their new child. So we're able to come alongside that mom and provide all the essentials she needs, like bottles, blankets, diapers, and so much more, and it really just gives these moms hope. What goes through a mother's mind when you're balancing whether to throw a party or to have a regular day is obviously finances. Children obviously would love to have friends around them. They want it to be a big celebration like you see on TV and everything. So it is kind of a toss-up when you're a parent and you can't necessarily afford to give them what they normally see. So it's a blessing when you can have someone come in and kind of be able to give them that experience. Anytime we had a birthday, it would be just me getting a cake and cutting a cake and us four celebrating. But to have 
bright blessings come in and it just brightened up our day. <laughs> it just really made the birthday party because it was a party, the celebration is special. And I didn't even have to do anything. I just had to show up with them. So I'm just so grateful that the thought of bright blessings to just be a blessing. That we don't just do birthdays. Um, so much more of what we do is also supporting these children in various ways. And so we provide snack bags, we provide hygiene kits. Those go in every birthday bag that we send out. And so we're not just providing the gifts. They also get two new books in their birthday bags. Elementary age get comfort items, so a stuffed animal, a blanket, things like that. So it's not just birthday gifts that we're just celebrating, but we try to kind of encompass everything that might be in their situation that they might need help with. Bright Blessings serves our school with birthday bags, snack bags, and hygiene packets. We've got almost 500 students and they all get it for their birthday every month. Bright Blessings serving the school through the birthday bags is more than just what's in the bags. It's more the feeling of excitement when your birthday comes around. Someone sees you, someone knows that you should be celebrated. Um, it communicates hope, positivity, and just spreads joy, really. The smile and the experience that you're giving to a child who doesn't have any idea about the world and what's going on, it's priceless, honestly. Seeing their face light up and seeing them open gifts and just, just be a kid, I don't think anything can compared to that, honestly, because they're innocent, you know, so it's definitely worth it. I think the hope for Bright Blessings is that no child ever goes unnoticed. We want to make someone who feels like a nobody a somebody, whether that means all they're receiving is a snack bag or they're receiving an entire birthday package. Our hope is that, you know, we can get the support that we need to grow because the fact is we have had to tell people no and tell agencies no and we want to grow into new counties but we can't do that without the support of our community and so our hope is that we would never have to say no to anyone and that we would be able to fully support um, any requests that come our way. Just three years ago, 25 cents would feed a student at the ICB school. As a result of all the political instability in the country, that same meal of rice and beans now cost 50 cents. To feed the students at the school for just one day, it cost $1,250. For one week, it's $6,250. For a month, $25,000. To feed the entire student body for one school year cost approximately $250,000. Given the rising costs of food and the ability to find basic items like rice and beans, feeding families in Bayonet is difficult. Students learn better when they can focus on the lesson in front of them and not the rumble in their bellies. We are thankful for South Park Church. Love what the Bright Blessings director said, how that their goal is to make sure that no child goes unnoticed. Uh, and how cool would it be to give them a birthday present on Jesus' birthday? Uh, and just all the care that they have from uh, new mothers to literacy and then feeding children who are hungry in Haiti that a dollar will buy two meals. Think how much we spend at Starbucks or Chick-fil-A or anywhere like that. So tonight, if you feel led to give Jesus a birthday present, 
through our church. Uh, you can donate online on our website, and there's a spot to write uh, on your contribution Christmas offering. If you'd like to contribute tonight in person, again, there's a box right there. You can do it on your way out, uh, and we will split this money in half, give 100% away to these special ministries. So thank you for your consideration for a birthday present for Christ. Well, we are in the midst of this sermon series called The Weary World Rejoices. Uh, again, it's a song lyric from Oh Holy Night. And we've been looking at how the world when Jesus was born was weary. They were war-torn and had a lot of things and challenges in their lives. And we've been looking at our world today. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times I feel weary about the things that are happening in our world. And in the midst of that, there's a lot of parallels. And, and the great news is that there's hope. That in the midst of our weariness that we can rejoice because there is good news of great joy. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at how we are weary of waiting for things in our lives. How many of us in our lives are waiting for something to happen? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's with your job. Maybe it's with your health. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and sometimes we don't ask the hard question. We're waiting on God to step in and do something. Why hasn't God done that? And so if that sounds like something that you're wrestling with, we have that message online. It was two weeks ago. And last week we talked about how we're weary of division. We're weary of division at work. We're weary of division at school. We're weary of division in our families. We're weary of division in America. We're weary of division in the world and we talked about the hope and the good news of that. And so if you're weary of division, that was last week's message. You can find that on our website. And tonight we continue to look for good news that will lead us to rejoice when we are weary. So thank you for being here tonight for this discussion. Uh, Laura and I, my wife Laura and I, have a friend uh, who periodically comes up to us and says, you know, I, I hate to let you know this, but I've got some bad news to share. Um, and I think she does not like the bad news or whatever, but uh, I think there's a small part of her that likes to be the first one to share the bad news with us. Do you know anybody like that? I, mean, I have some bad news I need, I need to share with you. And, and she gets very detailed about it. Now, did you hear about so-and-so down the street? They were in a car wreck, and, uh, and their hand was severed, all the fingers of their hand, their thumb, their pointer finger, their middle finger, their ring finger. Like, okay, okay, we get it, we get it, we get it. Their pinky finger, you know, just keep going. She was an artist. She'll never paint again. You're just, you know, continuing to harp and harp on it. And just, you, you start to worry when you see you're coming, you know. What's the bad news today? I don't know about you, but I woke up today. It's like Christmas Eve. It's Christmas. I'm excited. I'm ready for some good news. And, and no sooner do you turn on the television, you open up your phone, you open up your laptop, uh, uh, and you turn on the radio, and, and you probably heard about 10 million negative things today before you got here. The world is full of bad news. And we need to know what that bad news is so that we can console people and we can right wrongs and injustices and we need to pay attention to that. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but I get weary of all the bad news that comes and comes and comes our way. And so tonight, what I'd like to propose is that we focus tonight on good news. Good news of great joy. Good things that are happening in our lives. Good things that we can celebrate. And maybe to be a bad news kind of stay away environment tonight. That we can celebrate good news because we're weary of bad news. And so I, I did some research this week. I looked up. There are actually websites that are entirely devoted to good news. Did you know that? Probably didn't hear that because, right, good news doesn't sell. It doesn't get a lot of clicks uh, or interactions on social media. But there's lots of good news. I was thinking about good news in my life. 
Uh, and so uh, my son Luke plays high school basketball, one of his teammates. Uh, Marco, who lives in our community, is in our country. He is an exchange student. He's here from Italy. And so we've enjoyed getting to know Marco. He's a great guy. And uh, when I first was getting to meet Marco, I asked him, how do you like going to school in the United States? He said, well, I like going to school in the United States because we go five days a week. In Italy, we go six days a week. And he said, in America, we have all these three-day weekends. I love it here. It's great going to school in America. He said, in Italy, in high school, you go to school for five years. In America, it's only for four years. I love American schools. And so, kids, if you think you have it rough, right, sometimes what we think is bad news is really good news. And so, Marco, we're glad for your example in that. He also loves McDonald's French fries. And so, uh, there's a lot of good things that we can celebrate in America. So what is some of the good news happening in your life? I went on to some websites looking this stuff up and just for fun I went to the Guinness Book of World Records and found some really fun things that I think we can celebrate are good news. Everybody know what a high five is like giving a high five? What do you think the world record is for the most high fives in a day in the world? Any guesses? Just yelled out. A billion. That would be impressive. That'd be like McDonald's, like a billion served today, right? Anybody else? Right? We got 15,338. That's a lot of high fives, right? That's a lot of happiness. If you're open to it, turn to somebody and give them a high five. All right. You don't have to do it 15,000 times. Now, if that totally grossed you out, if you're a germaphobe, we have hand sanitizer stations throughout the church. Use as many of those things as you want, right? So I uh, also looked up the record for the most number of hugs given in a day. Any idea? Most number of hugs given in a day. How many hugs could you give if you just wanted to give people hugs? 10,000. Very close. 9,277. Way to go, Rita. You, you nailed that, right? <laughs> so I've read different opinions. As experts say that a person needs somewhere between 4, 8, or 12 hugs a day. Right? So... I'm not going to ask you to hug each other. That's going to be too far. I know it. Uh, so, but if you if you got somebody you can hug today, give them a hug at least four times before you go to bed. Okay, that'll make you feel better. That's some good news. All right, another question. What do you think the record is? World record is for the longest kiss. Ew, I know. Ew, gross. Twenty-four hours. That'd be a long smooch. Three days or something, right? It's right between that. Check this out. 58 hours, 35 minutes. That's over two days of kissing by this couple in Thailand. If you have not yet bought your sweetie a gift, here's your answer. What are you doing for the next two days? Let's beat the world record. Actually, don't do that because the Guinness Book of World Records no longer take submissions for this because it's so dangerous to kiss people for two days. So you might want to rethink that. So anyway, uh, if you're grossed out by that kind of kisses, good news today is that Hershey's today has made 60 million Hershey's kisses today. They make 60 million Hershey's kisses today. So go out and get some of those kisses. That would be awesome. Does anybody like dogs or cats? Dogs or cats? Good news for dogs and cat people. Right today, based on worldwide statistics and American statistics, 5,479 dogs and 5,753 cats were adopted today. Isn't that great? 
You might be getting a puppy or a kitten tomorrow morning, so be ready. Weird thing that I saw, uh, a scimitar-horned oryx from the country of Chad in Africa came back from extinction this year. I have no idea how they do that. I don't know if that's cloning or that's some kind of classification, but good for the oryx who is back from extinction. That is some good news. Anybody like babies? Babies, 385,000 are born today. Isn't that sweet? So Jesus has some good company. And so do the diaper people. Wow, that's going to be fun, 385,000 babies. That is good news. Did you hear about this little baby, four months old, in a tornado in Tennessee uh, this month? Uh, The tornado sucked it up in the air, this little boy, uh, and he survived. In that mess there on the right, his family also survived. Their house was destroyed. There's like a GoFundMe to build their house back. Uh, His name is Lord, uh, and the Lord was looking out for him. Isn't that amazing? There's good news in the world. What good news do you have in your life that you can celebrate? I would encourage you tonight to spend some time and just give thanks and name some things that you're grateful for and say thank you to God for good news. I want to share a lot of good news with you tonight. I want, to, I want to be in the Bible. I want to start in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible where God is creating the universe, God is creating the earth, and God has created humanity, you and me. And this is some good news that we see in Genesis 1.27. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So good news for you. You are created in the image of God. You are created in the image of God. Turn to somebody and say, you're good looking. (laughs) You are created in the image of God. And it's beyond that, right? But every time you look in the mirror, I want you to think, I am created in the image of God. And I'm going to let no one else tell me any differently. I don't care what the commercials say about what I should look like with my hair, my weight, my eyes, whatever. You are created in the image of God. But it's beyond just beauty, beyond just the way that you look. It means that you are like God, which means that inside of you, you are good. There is goodness inside each and every one of you. There is greatness in you because you are created in God's image. Never let anyone tell you any differently. You are good because God is in you. The image of God, you were created. You can be like God. You can love like God. You can forgive like God. You can create like God. You can make the world a better place. There is a purpose for you. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You are here for a reason to make the world better. You are created in the image of God. Another way that I like to say it is that God is for us. Right? A lot of times we think that the world is against us. We think that the universe is against us. We think that God hates us, that God is doing things against us. No, God is for us. He created us in his image, right? Say out loud with me, God is for me. God is for me. That's right. I love hearing these kids say that. I love hearing the adults say that. God is is for us. Never forget that. God is for us. 
The Apostle Paul was a pastor in the first century, and he started a lot of churches in the Mediterranean world. And he would start a church, he'd get it running, and he'd move somewhere else, start another church, start another church. And then he'd start writing letters to the churches that he started. And he'd encourage them, and he'd teach them, and he'd talk about theology with them. And, and someone collected, some people collected those, and most of them made it into what's now the New Testament in the Bible. And so we have this wisdom from Paul. And one of the greatest letters that he wrote was the letter to the church in Rome, the Roman Christians. And one of the greatest chapters in that book is Romans chapter 8. If you feel down about yourself, go to the New Testament, Romans chapter 8. And you can read it. It's like a pep rally. It's like Paul's getting ready to run through a wall for God. He's like that God is with us, right? God loves us. God is for us. And and it's, it's amazing what God is doing, that nothing can separate us from God. None of the bad things that are happening in the world, nothing can separate us from God. Even when bad things happen to us, God works to bring good into our lives. Romans 8, Romans 8 28. Right? When bad things happen to us, God works to bring good into our lives. And then after all this rah-rah stuff, Paul says this in Romans, Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to all these good things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us and the whole world comes against us, we're going to be okay because God is for us. It's a, it's a powerful, it's a motivating chapter. Again, Romans chapter 8, go home, read that, think about it, pray about it. But I think also the skeptical side of us, the, the realistic side of us, might interpret that scripture a little bit differently. If God is for us, that's great. Who can be against us? There can be a long list, right? There are a lot of people in the world that are against us. There are people that we work with that are against us. There are people that we go to school with that are against us. There are bullies. There are people in our neighborhoods who don't like us, who uh, stab us in the back. There are people in our families that are against us, and we have family division. There are people in our community that are against us. There are people in our city, in our state, who are against us. And there are people who are against us because of the color of our skin or uh, the ethnicity of our background or the language that we speak or how tall or how short we are, whether we're male or female or transgender, there are people who are against us because of our sexuality, there's people against us because of our income, there are all kinds of people who are against us, and they'll do anything to hurt us, they'll gossip about us, they'll talk to our face, they'll threaten to hit us, they will steal from us, they will stab us in the back, they'll even stab us in the chest, they'll shoot us, they'll kill us, they'll drop a nuclear bomb on our country, they'll torture us. God is for us. Who can be against us? There can be a long list. And then sometimes it seems like the world is against us. A tree falls and smashes my car. Uh, the tornado comes, opens up a hole in my roof, and the floods come in, and the insurance doesn't cover it. Someone that I love is sick in the hospital and, and hasn't done anything wrong to deserve being there. If God is for us, who can be against us? The world can be against us. God is for us who can be against us. We can be our own worst enemy. We can sabotage our lives intentionally or sometimes subconsciously. We can make mistakes and do wrong things and just bring brokenness into our lives. Sometimes we do the wrong thing on purpose just to be spiteful. And we hurt ourselves and we hurt other people and we have to face consequences like being guilty and feeling ashamed and we're going to die one day, and we experience what the Bible calls hell, which means brokenness, broken relationships with each other. Another word in the Bible is sin. It means we miss the mark. 
We miss the good things that we're supposed to be shooting for. If God is for us, who can be against us? Everyone can be against us. The world can be against us. We can be against ourselves. Well, Pastor Kyle, it sounds like you're kind of stepping back into the bad news stream. And it's supposed to be good news tonight, so let's step back out of that bad news stream. In the early first century, the people were waiting on Jesus. And they were weary. They were weary for 700 years of being dominated by other countries, one after the other, coming in and taking over and ruling them and enslaving them and taxing them and breaking up their families and stealing from them and killing them and torturing them and doing all kinds of terrible things. There was division within Israel between religious, non-religious, between uh, Jewish, Gentile, Samaritan, right? People who were considered half-breeds, half-Jewish, half-non-Jewish. Right? All kinds of things were going on, and the people were weary, and they were guilty, and they were making mistakes and doing wrong things. And God saw that, and it broke God's heart. And God said, that's not what I wanted. I created them in my image. I, I have good things in store for them. This is not the way it needs to be. I need to do something about this. I've sent them messengers. I've sent them prophets. I've sent them spokesperson. I need to roll up my sleeves and do it myself. And that's what we celebrate tonight. So let me read to you from Luke's gospel, the Christmas story of the birth of Jesus, where God becomes Emmanuel, God with us, a title for Jesus. Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There was no room in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That's our verse tonight. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so we celebrate the good news of great joy that God saw that the world was broken, that the image of God that he created us in had become stained and scratched and dirty and said, I need to fix that. And so God sent his son Jesus himself coming into the world named Emmanuel, which means God with us. And and he was born as a baby and he grew up to be a man who taught and preached and did miracles. And then he allowed himself to be killed on a cross. So that all of our brokenness, all of our guilt, and all of our shame, and all of our death, and all of our hell could be defeated. And when Jesus came back to life, it was all defeated. And now we can, see, can receive forgiveness, and joy, and love, and inner peace. And we can live life to the full now on the earth. 
and live forever in the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus did, Emmanuel. So not only is God for us, but God is with us. God is with you when things are going well. God is with you when things are going wrong. Jesus understands brokenness. Jesus understands pain. Jesus understands being accused of things that you haven't done. Right? Jesus understands us. Right? God is for us, and God is with us, working to bring good into our lives. I want to read to you a couple of the prophecies that were written about 700 years before Jesus was born, predicting who Jesus would be. Look at what Isaiah, the prophet, a spokesperson for God, wrote. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. How many of us feel brokenhearted? How many of us feel broken in our lives in general? Jesus came to bind us up and to make us better, right? To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness to the prisoners. You might not be in a literal jail cell. You might be watching from a literal jail cell, but you might be enslaved by something else. Jesus came to set you free, right? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort all of those who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To those of us who were sad and grieving and mourning, Jesus came to comfort us, to comfort you in the midst of your pain. To provide, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. People in the Bible who are mourning would sit in ashes and God says, get rid of the ashes, I have a crown to give to you. The oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Imagine taking off the, the cloak of darkness in your life and putting on a robe of light that God has come to heal us and to bind us up. And then Isaiah says this, in Isaiah 53, surely he, meaning Jesus, looking forward, right, took up our pain and bore our suffering, and by his wounds we are healed. A lot of times in our lives, we want to hide our brokenness. We want to hide our wounds. We don't want the world to see that we're weak or hurting or we're not strong. And so we try to put on the, uh, the, the, the look that everything's fine, right? We're indestructible. We're superman. We're superwoman. But Jesus, when he was with his disciples after he was resurrected, let them see his hands that were scarred from the nails. Let them touch them. Let them touch his side where they pierced him with a spear to say, that was a bad part of my life. But God has gotten me past it. And I can look back and see what God has done. Look how far God has brought me. And I have done this. By his wounds we are healed. That the scars that we carry in our lives, we don't want anyone to see it. We might not even want to look at them ourselves. But to know that God has gotten us through that. That God is ready to heal our hearts and our, our emotions and, and our brokenness. And we can receive wholeness. And when we see those scars or we look back on those hard times and say, look how far God has brought me. By his wounds, we are healed. You may have seen the movie Jaws, the first, the first Jaws, probably the best. The first two are pretty good. The, the rest are okay, but Jaws 4 is a little bit much. Uh, it's about people hunting this big shark that's eating people. Uh, and there's this scene. I got a picture of it. These are they're on the boat. That's Quint on the left. That's Hooper on the right. Uh, and they're, they're out in the water. They've taken a break from trying to catch the big shark. Uh, and they start comparing their scars or their battle wounds. Hey, feel my head. I got this at a parade when I got knocked in the head up in Boston. Uh, look at my arm where an eel bit me. Look at my leg where a shark bit me. All right, and then Hooper, the guy on the right, says, look right here. And he opens up his shirt. And, well, I don't see any scar there. He's like, that's where Mary Ellen Moffat 
tore out my heart, broke my heart, right? <laughs> there's a sense of pride in their scars. There's a sense of, that hurt. I don't want to go through that again. But look, I'm on the other side of that. That's what God does for us. When we're broken, when we're brokenhearted, when we're broken in our lives, God comes in, God heals us and moves us forward. Right? The good news of great joy. What is that? So what's the point tonight? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? I think it's this. It's what we've been talking about. God is for us and God is with us. God is for us. God is with us. God is for you. You're creating God's image. There is goodness in you. You can be like God. You can make the world a better place. You are beautiful. You are handsome. God is for us. God is with us. When we face challenges in our lives, we're not alone. We have a God who understands suffering and challenges. God is with us and is working in our lives to bring good back into our lives. God is for you. God is with you. Can you say that with me? God is for us. God is with us. Right? It's powerful stuff. So I invite you to think about taking a step, taking an action, action step, to respond to this. Right? I'll give you three things. Maybe you pick one, maybe you pick two, maybe you pick three. Right? So in response, one, receive the good news of Jesus. If you don't yet know who Jesus is, check him out. Come back. Check out a church. Check out the Bible. Right? Maybe tonight, say, hey, God, you're new to me. This sounds good. I'm tired of being broken. Please forgive me the wrong things that I've done. Come in my life and show me what it means to live life to the full and, and God will come close to you. That's the good news that we celebrate tonight. Right? I think another thing that we can do, remind yourself that God is for you and God is with you. That's easy to do when things are going well in life. But when you're facing difficult problems, take a literal time out and say, God is for me, God is with me. God is for me, God is with me. Now, there's a caveat here. God's not for all the things that we choose to do, right? Like, not going to say go out and sell drugs or beat somebody up, right? God's not for that. But God is for you as a person. God is for you as a child of God. God is for you as being created in God's image. Never forget that. Remind yourself, God is for me. God is with me. And the third thing we talked about, right, the Christmas Eve, reach out to the weary children of Charlotte and Haiti through our Christmas offering. There are children in Haiti who are weary of being hungry every day. Their only meal is, is, is at school, right? They're, they're tired of that, right? For 50 cents, we can, we can provide a meal, right? The children in Charlotte and the neighboring areas don't get birthday parties. Their moms don't have items that they need to have babies, all that kind of stuff, right? We can make a difference in the name of Christ, right, to help the weary children of our community, the weary children of Haiti. Let me leave you with this. There uh, is a Japanese practice called uh, kintsugi. I think I'm saying that correctly. Right? It's Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by mending the areas of breakage with a lacquer dusted or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. Right? Kitsugi treats the breakage and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. Right? So this pottery gets broken. Most people would throw it away. But these Japanese artists take this lacquer. They put gold, platinum, silver in it, and they restore it, and it's beautiful. The Hyatt-centric hotel that's right next to our church has a whole display of this on the first floor right outside their elevators. You can go over after the service if you want to and go and look at that. But I want to show you a few pictures of what this looks like. All right, so here's one picture. This is a, a bowl. It's beautiful originally. It's got two pretty good cracks in it, right? A lot of us would probably just pitch it, 
Or we'd, 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 we'd fix it up with some glue and turn it to the other side right? so no one could see the cracks. But look how beautiful that is. Isn't that beautiful? Some of us in our lives, maybe we're young. Maybe we're just starting out. Right? We're living a pretty good life. And we've had our first crack or two. Right? Our first brokenness. And we feel bad about it. And we think that we're in some real trouble and, and there's no hope for us. Not true. God can repair you. God can heal you. God can make you beautiful. Here's another example. Right? Some of us live a little bit longer and we have a few more cracks in our lives. We've had a longer time. Or maybe we just like making cracks in our lives and we get in a lot of trouble. Right? We think there's no hope for us. Look at this vase. The beauty of those golden cracks. How beautiful that is. How many of us, we put that in our house, wouldn't we? That's beautiful. And then some of us think, Kyle, you just don't know how messed up I am. There's so many cracks in my life, you can't even pick the pieces up. Right? Look at this. Look at that bowl. How'd you like to be the guy, that, the lady patched that thing together? But they did. Look how beautiful that is. All those cracks. That's what God does for us. Takes all of our broken pieces and through the power of his love and forgiveness and his grace, unmerited favor, makes us a work of art. So let's just scroll through these photos one more time and just think which one represents you. Where are you? And look for the beauty that God will give you in your life. You're never too far from God. You're never too broken. I bring you good news of great joy. God is for you. God is with you. Look what God has done. Merry Christmas in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.